Season 7, Episode 13 of the Tony G Show. I am Tony G. Oh, you are? Okay. Yeah. I forgot for a second. I don't know if anyone has been lost in the ruffle. What are we at? Well, is this episode like 120? Overall? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's got to be... Yeah. It's got to be in the 120s now. I don't know. We are doing a great job. I can't count that high anymore. I figured that much. Yeah. Economy major, finance economy (laughs) (laughs) isn't that what it is economics economics economy (laughs) major oh no no maybe we should just end the show yeah maybe (laughs) (laughs) economy major he majors in economy (laughs) okay all right we a sports show or we (laughs) i I don't i don't know where that came from it's okay (laughs) economy major (laughs) <laughs> all right serious tony g show uh will mccormick over there what are you laughing at that was really I mean, like went deeper than normal it was like a, <laughs> i know i can do that well you watched the next game last night will the celtics game i watched the second overtime the end of regulation was nuts the first overtime was nuts it was like three 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 from the knicks from the celtics from the knicks from the celtics it was like me and intermarial basketball it was quite the game, and then they went into double overtime. Knicks got the win. Evan Fournier was on fire. Knicks going to be good this year? We won't talk about this in like, depth. but Knicks can be good or Celtics can be bad. Mm-hmm. We go either way. I think it's the Knicks are going to be good because mm-hmm. Celtics look good. They didn't look bad. Yeah. Tatum had a good game. Smart hit that big three at the end of regulation. I don't think – here's the deal. I think Knicks are starting to make the turn. I don't know if they're going to make the full turn this year to being competitive, mm-hmm. but they're starting to make the turn – towards being in the conference, uh, Eastern Conference discussion to get into the playoffs. They're making that turn to being a competitive team, so we'll see how that develops. Also, well, if you're with, with us on uh, Tuesday's episode, Will and I were bombarded by adversity with a fly in, in Tony G Studios. Right. That fly is no more. It's I don't know going, how we overcame that, but we did somehow. That was miraculous. Yeah. That fly, Will, was in Tony G Studios until today, until this morning. <laughs> Christian, friend of the show, mm-hmm. janitor for Tony G Studios, <laughs> cleaned up the fly. <laughs> that fly is currently in a napkin in the garbage bin over by Will McCormick there. Tony's got me sitting by the garbage cans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got yep. like the recycling bin to my right. <laughs> you know, it's... Yes. I'm kind of tucked away in the corner and Tony's yep. got the big comfy chair. Will is within arm's reach of the garbage bags. And I'm sitting here by the TV and the warmth, the fireplace. He's, taught, he's like shooting cans into the garbage while during mid-show. <laughs> Bouncing it off of right Will. Me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Will, this does not get treated the right way <laughs> at Tony G Studios. Man, we are goofy today. Weird. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't predict this. I didn't, no. I, wasn't, I didn't wake up feeling goofy. We just flipped down the microphones, and here we are, not getting any progress towards this episode. We are three and a half minutes into this recording, Will. We have made no progress towards... Uh, today's episode so let's get into it Uh, Seahawks discussion will start things off Russell Wilson quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks have been injured he injured his hand on a Thursday night football game against the Los Angeles Rams a few weeks ago had surgery on it he's going to be out four to eight weeks from the injury so his return is going to be week 10 week 13 we'll see how that'll develop in Seattle and are they going to win with Geno Smith ever We'll talk about that in the first segment. Second segment, the length of games for the Major League Baseball postseason. I'm going to pull up. You know Tony G does his homework. Mm-hmm. I'm going to pull up numbers from past postseasons. I'm going to pull up numbers from this postseason. Length of game. 
and how long these games are really going. And we're going to talk, well, you and me, if this is good for baseball or bad. And if it is bad, then how bad is it really for the sport? So that is the second discussion. Then another Thursday episode means another Tony G's Picks of the Week. Tony G's Picks of Week 7 come into this week 14 and 18. I try to bounce back and hopefully get over 500. Also, Full Moon Show, kind of like a... Mm. We're kind of prepping for the spooky show coming up. That's right. So that's going to be soon. I have been completely out of date because we usually do our Halloween show. I haven't been advertising that at all. Speaking of advertising, Liz Maastricht interview going to be dropped next week. Mm-hmm. I have not been advertising our, our... Just kind of thought about that, but... Holiday show. Halloween special coming up... Uh, really quickly. Relatively soon. Very quickly. We always do it before the 30th. So it'll be the Thursday... 31st is on a Sunday, so, so that would make 28th. 28th, Thursday of October. That is going to be our Halloween show. Our buddy today. Troy Frisk, who does the the uh, intro, mm-hmm. he has a little bit of a Halloween feel to that episode. Here we go. So be on the lookout for that one. Look forward to Halloween. And then, of course, our Thanksgiving episode coming up in uh, towards the end of November. A lot of things to look forward to. Tony yeah. G Show just busting mm-hmm. through the seams. We are a very successful podcast. What are we? The most successful podcast ever, do you think? Mm, <laughs> we're like the goat of podcasts, I'm pretty sure. I think so. Yeah. We deserve a Hall of Fame and a plaque. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. This is the Tony G Show. You're listening to the Tony G Show, now in its seventh season. Subscribe to the show now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow the show on Twitter at Willis5312 and at Tony G Nation. Also on Instagram at Tony G Ordana. Now, along with Will McCormick, here's the host, Tony G. No more flies in Tony G Studios, just the only thing that we have to work through, Will and I, is uh, goofiness. The only adversity we have to fight through. A lot of, like, random noises is just happening all of a sudden. <laughs> Uh, horns honking outside of Tony G Studios. Will dropping something on his microphone. We've had to restart this. Restart. I don't know. Yeah, All right. Tony a- G Show. That's Will McCormick. I'm Tony G. This is the 13th episode of Season 7. Segment number one, we're going to discuss the Seattle Seahawks. As I mentioned in the open, Russell Wilson's been injured, and that's played a huge role in the Seahawks. So I want to bring up a couple numbers of their past seasons and show some trends and if they will continue into this season and how bad do they really need that to continue because right now they are not sitting at a good spot two and four as we look at the seventh week in the season of the national football league not the best start but i'm going to bring up some numbers because tony g does his homework of seattle seahawks starts that haven't been impressive and what they've done after those unimpressive starts now granted the last couple seasons They've been off to relatively good starts, 2019 and 2020, both 5-1 and one to start their season. 2018, they were 3-3, three and three. 2017, 4-2, and two. 2016, 4-1-1. But the season I want to bring up and highlight in this discussion is 2015. This is still the Russell Wilson era. He was still a quarterback of the Seahawks back then. When they got off to a 2-4 and four start, similar to this start that they've had now, Again, all these numbers I've been throwing out are the Seahawks through the first six games of the season for the last six or so years. 2015, they started 2-4, and four, just like this year. They went on a five-game win streak while they ended 10-6, and six, made the playoffs. The last couple of seasons, the Seattle Seahawks have had double-digit wins, except for 2017. 
They're a team that's always in the mix when they mm-hmm. seem like they're not. If they're off to a rocky start, some of these starts that are impressive, I believe the 2018 season when they started 3-3, three and three, it wasn't the most impressive three-win team through six weeks or through seven weeks in the NFL. 2019-2020 when they were 5-1, and one, there were a couple close games in those mm-hmm. five wins. They're wins nonetheless. I'm yeah, not discrediting right. them. But there's always seemed to have been rocky starts to the season for these Seattle Seahawks, and they've had to battle back. Well, this season's like unlike any other one that they have had. Russell Magic has to be worked again. These win streaks and Russell Magic, they, they, it's all been because of Russell Wilson. And now that you pull that piece away and you give it to Geno Smith, I don't know, Will. What do you? It, it's just when you when you look at Geno Smith, he doesn't look like he has what it takes. There's too many boneheaded mistakes in his play to constitute a win streak like the Seahawks have had in past seasons to I, get into the playoffs. I saw a lot of promise in in their most previous game, but just a lot of right mistakes that stand out above the rest, which is too bad because I thought overall it was good play on the part of Geno Smith, but just a couple mistakes that are costly for the game. Obviously, that strip sack at the end, I mean, there's no way he could have... Exactly. Yeah, you know, obviously hang on to the ball, but you're getting strip sack from behind. It's kind of like... Most quarterbacks in that situation would probably have that same scenario. That occurrence, along with the Thursday game when he had to take over when Russell got hurt, mm-hmm. when he threw the late interception, yeah, the wide true. receiver fell down on the route, right? and but, he threw an interception. So there are late mistakes happening, but it, it the, you I don't mean, want those, to make excuses, but yeah. it's like the guy can't control some of these right. things happening around the, him. Those will stand out above the average good play throughout the game, but what um, what is Russ's... Injury outlook. I it he he injured his hand. I, mm-hmm. I think it was broken, or maybe it was a tendon that was severed somewhere in his hand. I forget the exact uh, predicament that his hand was in on his mm-hmm. throwing hand, though. So he couldn't right. throw the football, grip the football. Had surgery on it. Again, he's going to return week ten to thirteen, depending on how quickly he can bounce back. Pete Carroll and the Seahawks and Russell Wilson are optimistic in Russell's. Ability to rehab and get back. So they're thinking maybe week 10, maybe week 11. But that's short term. That's best case scenario. It could be week 12, week 13. Mm-hmm. And by that time, the Seahawks could be well out of it. So they got to win at least half the games, probably with Geno Smith, to at least have the chance for Russ to work something. Whether it's 10 weeks or 13, I'm, they have to win at least half. The Seahawks, for the last couple of seasons, have always been in the playoffs. 2020, a four-game win streak, finished 12-4 and four in the playoffs. 2019, five-game win streak, finished 11-5 and five in the playoffs. 2018, four-game win streak, 10-6. 2017, four-game win streak, 9-7. and seven. A three-game win streak in 2016, a five-game win streak in 2015. This is a streaky team that always lands in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So nobody really looks at the problems within Seattle. But now that Russell Wilson is out, it's almost similar to the Packers situation when Aaron got hurt. Oh, yeah. You're going through Seneca Wallace's, and you're going through Matt Flynn's, and you're just throwing out random quarterbacks to try to compete a Scott Tolzien. You're seeing the blemishes that nobody looks at because you're winning ball games because of your quarterback. Well, because Russ carries them. That's, that is the exact case with Russell Wilson. He carries the Seahawks. He has for the last four years. The chemistry that Russell Wilson has with some of his wide receivers, especially Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, the chemistry that he grows with his offensive skill players – really plays dividends towards getting these big plays, which means a big offense, which means you're going to start winning some ball games. It, but now that he is out, the argument I'm making, and I don't think anybody can disagree with this, is that we are seeing who the Seattle Seahawks really are. This is a Seahawk team that with or without Russell Wilson, 
uh, Will McCormick. And I'm going to say this again when I pick Monday Night Football because that's when the Seahawks play in Week 7 for Tony G's Picks of the Week. They're allowing 433 yards per game this season. By far the most in the NFL. And that would be the second most, if they stayed on this trend, that would be the second most yards per game given up in the Super Bowl era. That's, so we're seeing some blemishes on defense. Yeah. Big time. That's that's Their defense is sitting at 21st right now, which is the bottom, you know, yeah. that's bottom part of the of the league. So that's not... Bottom 10, bottom 11. You pair that with a, with a backup QB, you're not... It's going to be hard to compete. Another aspect to look at is, you know, bringing it back, tying in the chemistry that Russell Wilson has with his skilled players. They've never really had that running back. They had a Marshawn Lynch, and he was, you know, right. he, he carried the team in Russell's early years. But since he left the mix, it's kind of just been a fluctuation of running backs. Like Chris like, Carson yeah, here, like Chris Rashad Carson. Penny. It, you know, it's just never, they've never had that guy. Mm-hmm. So that plays dividends as well to this offense that now that Russell's gone, there's nobody to hone in this talent. There's no, there's nothing here to bank on that this team is going to win ball games under Geno Smith or a backup quarterback because there's no real talent. There's no prime time talent at these skill positions. Now that Russell Wilson's gone, there's nobody to command this offense to get everybody on the same page. Like it or not, people call him cheesy and corny on social media, but the guy's a leader. Mm-hmm. Guy's one of the better leaders in football. We've seen it year after year, and this only highlights it if, if anything, that the Seahawks are losing without him because. They've always been in the playoffs, always been a good team, always been a team that scares uh, other teams and other, other fan bases from year to year. But this one's different because Russell's gone. It's always been Russell Wilson. And that's why, you know, remember there, there was that whole fiasco at the end of last year where Russell Wilson was talking about maybe he wants to leave, maybe he wants out in Seattle, and what's Seattle going to do? And they did retain him. Mm-hmm. But that whole situation was almost similar to the Aaron Rodgers thing because Russell wasn't getting the control over the offense he wanted. He wasn't getting players picked up who he wanted. He didn't have control over much of anything. Their O-line was in shambles. O-line, that was a huge part of it. O-line has been bad year after year. We're seeing it again. The strip sack of Geno Smith at right. the ball game. I mean, let's fix the offensive line. Can we in an offseason? Maybe dish out some money for a halfway decent one? Use a high draft pick for one? And granted, they've tried moves here and there. Point here being that Russell Wilson wanted out because he saw that he was this entire team. He knew that if he played his cards right against the Seahawks, he could say, you're not going to be anything without me. You aren't going to win ball games without me. So you're going to start building around me so we can get another Super Bowl ring in this organization. Or I'm out. Mm-hmm. And it got to that point last year where reports were stating that Russell did want out of Seattle. He wanted to leave. I'm he sure wanted he out. He, he had his mind set. Mm-hmm. So what happens? He stays in the organization. They're having a good year, a decent year, win a couple ball games, then he gets injured, and then all of a sudden they start going on a losing streak. Geno Smith hasn't won a game since he took over. Russell Wilson has missed now more than ever. I think it's really a true measure of how much Russell Wilson really means to the Seattle Seahawks team. Yeah, so they're sitting at 2-4 and four right now. I mean, Correct. they're, they're going to have to win. I kind of re- retract my statement. I feel like they're going to have to win at least 60% of the games under Geno Smith to even give Russ the chance to compete. You got to stay you got to float around at least 500. Yeah. For when Russell Wilson gets back and then hope that he can work his Russell magic again right. and get you on another win streak so that you can finish over 500 and that's if he, that's and if maybe get he can win out with them. Exactly. That's if. You know, and he might not be full like fully recovered by the time he comes back. So I'm sure they're going to want him to 
to be rushed out. Well, you look at weeks 10, 13, you got the Cardinals, you got 49ers, you got Rams still on the schedule, Cardinals again by the time that Russell will get back. So yeah, this is not a pushover division anymore no. is the point I'm trying to make. This is a competitive division mm-hmm. where relying solely on just your quarterback to win ball games isn't going to fly anymore. you got to start building around him. And another mark that I think, again, all these blemishes are coming out because there is no Russell Wilson. Another mark that I looked up, Tony G does, does his homework. This isn't something. This isn't some stat I got on a website. I crunched some numbers myself. Since 2015, the Russell Wilson era has been since 2012-13. This is a couple years after his era began. But this is when he really became established in the NFL. Since 2015, the Seattle Seahawks have been in too many close games. A 2-6-1 record in overtime. And all these wins that they have had just seem to be unconvincing wins. If like, they do blow a team out, it's against a team that's under 500, a 3-7 three and, three and like seven team. Hair their chin kind of scenario where it's just like that close to yeah, being a loss. exactly what it is. And then you get into the playoffs and you get rolled every year because you're mm-hmm. starting to play good teams. And these right. blemishes are starting to begin to show their head. So I think Russell Wilson's argument has only been heightened by this injury that they're not going to win without... Without Wilson at quarterback. It's the same thing with the Packers and Aaron Rodgers. I was going to say, it's down. a very similar scenario. It is the exact same situation. I would, I would argue, though, that the Seahawks are, at this point, you know, in this, at, at this season, I would say they have less talent around him than Rodgers yeah. does. But similar, you know, scenarios for the quarterbacks. That's Games are not getting easier for the Seahawks. Monday, foot, Monday Night Football, I'll pick that one for Tony G's Picks of the Week. Then after this week, they got the Jaguars. Maybe you can get a win. Maybe Geno Smith will get a win. If they don't beat the Saints, it'll be his first win. Then you head to Green Bay. Tough game. Then you're at home against the Cardinals. Tough game. Then you're on the road in Washington. That's no blow-by game either. Then you're at home, 49ers. That's not easy. So the point here being, I could go through the rest of their schedule. And there is some ease to it. Lions, Bears, Texans. But you have your division to go through. You have winning football teams to go through. You have to go on the road. This isn't going to be easy for Seattle. So if you really want to set yourself up for a successful position to get yourself in the playoff for Russell Wilson, you have to start winning some ball games and you have to start making some drastic moves. I don't know if Geno Smith is the guy. Here's the thing, Will. I just want to throw this out there. I'm not making a prediction. I'm not saying this has to happen. But I just want to throw this out there. Cam Newton's still a free agent. Mm. Mm. That's a solid point. If Geno Smith, if you, okay, here, let me, let me paint this out this way. Look at this as a pyramid scheme for Tony G Nation listening to this. At the top, you have your quarterback. Your organization, you're going to win with your quarterback. Now you have that out. Now you have to go to that second tier. It's been Geno Smith. He's not winning your ball games. So who else do you have to go to? It's Cam Newton. Cam Newton's right there next. If you're not going to start building up this organization, right? if you're going to rely solely on your quarterback to win your ball games, you have to have a good one. And if Geno Smith isn't going to do it, you got to go find one that's going to win. That's a good question. Is Geno Smith a better option than Cam Newton at this point? I Obviously, w- we're keeping, you know, salary and and contracts strictly out of the conversation because sure. we have no idea what they're sitting at right now. But okay, so taking the salary out of it, let's take a look at Cam Newton. This is a guy who is starting to get older, mm-hmm. who's been beat up, who got released by the Patriots for a rookie in Mac Jones. Hmm. Does and, he fit in Seattle? I, I, you know, it's going to take a couple weeks for him to get the offense. You can't just pick up a quarterback and then he's going to run the offense efficiently obviously. week after week. But if this is something that you are thinking of doing, is getting another quarterback, you have to do it now. Because like I said, you've got to win games now. You can't sit here 
two and four, probably going to be two and five, and look forward to the rest of your season and just hope and pray until Russell Wilson gets back. And even with all this being said, Will, this is kind of a negative uh, a viewpoint from me. But even if you get into the playoffs, you're like, Russell Wilson's going to come back, going to take us on like a four-game win streak to end the season. You get into the playoffs, Will, you're going to get trounced. Yeah. You are going to get trounced. There are good teams in the NFC this year. Packers being one of them. Everybody else in your division being three of them. <laughs> yeah. Rams, Cardinals, 49ers. Tampa Bay. Tampa I mean, Bay is always good. Saints. It, I mean, this might be the year for the Seahawks to be like, you know what? Maybe that's why they're not getting Cam. Maybe they're, I, I don't know. Maybe Geno Smith is a better option just purely from an outsider's perspective. But maybe they're just like, you know what? We'll just, because you're right. More likely than not, they're going to get steamrolled if they make the playoffs. Correct. So maybe they win one. Defense is not good as well. Ever since the Legion of Boom broke up, it's like Richard Sherman left. Mm-hmm. Some other names in that one. Cam Chancellor. Cam Chancellor. That's the one I was thinking of. Cam Chancellor. He kind of dealt with some injuries and he wasn't ever the same. Bobby Wagner, uh, in that, but he's still there. He's getting older, but he's still an all pro level uh, uh, middle linebacker. Ever since that Legion of Boom broke up, this has not been the same defense. Again, no. allowing 433 yards per game the most this season would be the second most in the super bowl era if that that trend continues yeah so i guess let me just finish off this discussion with a question for you which direction do you think the seahawks should take the season do you think they purposefully tank do you think they try to win and see if russ can come back because like we had said that playoffs is pretty unlikely scenario that they you know make a playoff run so where do you see them taking this season Mm. That's a good question, Will. I don't think they're a tank team. That's not something. That's not their mo. No. That's, that's certainly not something that I see them doing. I think they're the seller at the deadline. Week eight, week nine, is it now? With the 17, 18 weeks that they got, middle of the season, that that uh, trade deadline coming up. I think they're going to be sellers. I think they're going to give away some of their talent and really? try to rebuild while they still have Russell Wilson in the mix. That's a good. I, I like that. I, I could really see that happening. I could see, you know, Bobby Wagner being a real key piece yes. to certain teams. Yep. Um, Jamal Adams and Jamal that secondary, Adams. Quandre Diggs as well. These some, are guys who could be moved right. for some pieces that might, maybe some offensive line pieces that might help you down the road. It only right. makes too much sense. Right. That's a solid synopsis. I think that's a likely scenario. But who knows? Maybe they just get magically better. <laughs> <laughs> the Seahawks seem to do that every year. Pete Sometimes. Carroll has that little uh, magic that he pulls out of his uh, out of his sleeve and just kind of uses uh, from year to year. It's not over till it's over. Another name to throw out there: their now second string quarterback, who they just picked up off of waivers, was uh, Jacob Eason. Interesting story from him. He is now the he was picked up off waivers for Seattle. Is that a guy they maybe turn to and give him a couple weeks behind Geno Smith, give him a chance to learn this offense, and say maybe. We'll see what this young buck's got until mm-hmm. Russell Wilson can return. Interesting to see what they try in Seattle. I, I think they're really going to start working with Alex Collins, the running back. I uh, just picked him up on my fantasy team, actually. Uh, had a huge week for me, helping me get the win. So I'm not just saying that, throwing that name up here, because I just see it. it this, this is a guy I think that they could maybe work with, now that Chris Carson's on IR as well. But as we de... What's the word I'm looking for? De-build? <laughs> de-build de- no de-escalate from this argument 
the Seattle Seahawks have some blemishes. Let me repeat that. They have some blemishes that are being shown now that people have failed to, I think, I say people, I, I think that the organization has failed to look at since they've had Russell Wilson healthy. This is the same thing that happened with the Green Bay Packers those couple seasons when Aaron Rodgers was getting injured year after year, broken collarbone here, broken collarbone there. Now you have to go to your backup quarterback, a Brett Hundley, and now everything falls to shambles because you realize the only thing we had going was the quarterback position. He was the glue that was holding our team together, and now that he's gone, we are barely scraping by to win games if we are. Same thing with Seattle. They're barely scraping by. They are not winning games. And they've been in close games. Like I said, there, there was the two uh, last drives where Geno Smith had the ball stripped away, stripped sack, and then the, the interception where the wide receiver fell down. So they've been in close games. They've been sticking around with it. And we'd probably be having a different conversation if those games went a different way. But Certainly. But maybe it's everything happens for a reason, Will. Right. I think the Seattle Seahawks have shown who they really are now that there is no Russell Wilson at the helm. Could be a scary situation in Seattle. I don't see them making the playoffs this year. I really don't. It's just a tough division. They're last place in the NFC West right now, and it's a very tough division. Mm-hmm. Second segment of today's show, I want to talk about this. The Major League Baseball uh, playoff games this season, the 2021 postseason, are taking forever. Well, I've they're, noticed. They're taking forever. Mm-hmm. And I say that as an avid baseball fan, guy who I don't mind, you know, a baseball guy. I, I, as someone who can watch baseball, don't mind it. But even I am sitting here watching these games thinking, this game's still on? Mm-hmm. This game's only in the seventh inning? Yeah. This game's still tied at 1-1? One, one. I mean... There needs to be a pitch clock. A lot of people say that might be the solution. I don't like that as much. I know. I think we're in different camps on that. But anyways, continue with the argument. My bad. I just... I wanted to disagree you with you You ever apologize again? You're fired. <laughs> I, again, I just want to emphasize before we go forward with this argument. It has been playoff baseball that we're going to talk about. I'm not talking about regular season games. I'm talking about playoff baseball. Here's the thing as well. There's been a lot of offense in these games. There's been a lot of blowout wins. I mean, I mean, just looking at the ALDS, maybe not the ALDS, but the playoff uh, games alone that have happened yesterday. Astros, 9-1 win over the Red Sox. Braves, 9-2 win over the Dodgers. 9-2 win over the, the Red Sox for the Astros. On Tuesday, the, the 19th, high-scoring games. Red Sox 12-3 over the Astros on Monday. 9-5 Saturday, Red Sox over the Astros. High-scoring affairs all over the place in the playoffs, and it's really raising the length of time because now in the playoffs, teams go to their bullpen a lot more because mm-hmm. there's more emphasis on we got to win this game. This isn't like you know we don't have a month left in the season. This is playoff time. you want, you got to win these games. you got to win... In the, in the championship series, you have to win four out of seven. So there's more emphasis on going to your bullpen and trying to win the game that you are playing. And going to the the bullpen is really raising. The, I mean, there are a lot of commercials in these games. And that's been a mark that has been a trend that has been continuing to climb year after year. Tony G does his homework well. I've found a couple of graphs that I think really encapsulate Major League Baseball playoff game length of games for the last couple of seasons. Since 1970, the average length of a nine-inning playoff game was just over two and a half hours, two two hours, 30, 35 minutes or so. Over the years, there has been a steady climb. I mean, this graph I'm looking at looks like the stock market, Will. Mm-hmm. There has been a steady climb <laughs> as, we cl- as we cross 2020. We are now over three and a half hours of baseball for an average nine-inning playoff game. 
that's like two hours too long. I'd say, I'd, I'd give you like a half hour too long. Baseball is so slow, man. It is slow. Like but it's beautiful. It is hard to watch. But it's beautiful. It is so hard to watch. Like, watching the batter step out of the box and fix his gloves every 10 seconds, like, I, I watch it happen three times and I turn it off. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like, I can't do this. See, the, there's a thing as well, is Major League Baseball is trying to stop that as well. If you don't swing, you're not allowed to step out of the batter's box. And there was a huge emphasis on that a few years ago, and then that has just kind of trickled away. And now someone will take take a pitch and step all the way out. Right. And umpires are supposed to stop that. They're supposed to keep the pace up. And all these uh, the the numbers that I'm getting the graphs are coming from uh, an article on the Ringer by Zach Cram. And this was just posted on uh, 2021. So we look at average length of a nine inning playoff game, and we also look more specifically at 2021 the Major League uh, postseason games. The graph I'm going to pull up here is by uh, SB Nation. A, an author named Al Yellen. Okay, so here we go. Average length, the lengths of 2021 Major League postseason games. AL wildcard game was three hours and 13 minutes. The NL wildcard game is four hours and 15 minutes. Unbelievable. This is hurting the game of baseball. I think it is too, and I, I want to ask you, how much do you think of it is attributable to the revenue side of things for baseball, mm-hmm. running ads. Do you think that they're MLB really care how long these games are taking? Because almost I argue no. Even I though they're they're taking these actions, they could be doing so much more. In terms of advertising, and, and this has been uh, this has been talked about on social media as well, that the advertising on these broadcasts of the playoff game, they're like an obnoxious amount towards betting. Fox does their Fox Super 6 or Bet 6 or whatever their app is that you know you can bet on here or there. They just pull that advertising up and anything. Kyle Schwarber stepped to the plate. This is a video that I saw on Twitter. I don't know who it was that tweeted it. Kyle Schwarber stepped up to the plate. And this is a game I was watching as well, but I didn't take note of it. Kyle Schwarber stepped up to the plate, and instead of showing his stats, the graphic that shows his at-bats or what he's done today, 0 for 2 or this or that, it said... It was a graphic that said Kyle Schwarber to hit a home run is plus 250 or whatever the number was. Go bet on the Fox Super 6 step. That is just so not about the ball game. It, like the, the, you're ta- We're talking about the chances he's going to hit a home run here? Right. What? That, that what makes, is his stats? Tell me about this. What does it mean on the game? Right. This is what I think is happening with baseball. Viewership is declining. Yep. Owners are wanting more money, so they're just like, you know what? Let's just load it up with ads. Let's just take any money we can get. Mm. And I think it's, I mean, this is purely conceptual, but I could see that playing a role where they're just like, they're just trying to get their money now at this point. Like the, and, and it's kind of taking the sport into a negative direction where it's like watching paint dry. I don't know. You keep dissing my sport, Will. We're going to have a problem. I, I really like playing baseball. I think it's fun, but like it is the hardest sport to watch. It's it's harder to watch than soccer. It's harder to watch than hockey. It's not harder to it's watch har- than soccer. It's harder to watch than it tennis. It is not harder to watch than yes, soccer. Yes, it is. Will McCormick, yes, that is. is enough. Tony, there's movement in soccer. Baseball, there's half no. of it standing around. There's scoring in baseball. No, about at the same pace as soccer. No. Yes. Will, I don't want to watch how many guys are on, on the field, 22 least, guys run around, kick a ball around to have the score end 0-0 at the end of 90 minutes. That's fine, but I don't want to watch some guy stand around and fix his that's, gloves for 40 that's minutes That's terrible. Either. I... I understand that, but it is way less interesting 
That soccer. just couldn't be more wrong. I'm sorry, it is. As a casual fan, wrong. it is. And and I and I I'm a huge soccer fan. I hardly watch any soccer either. I hardly watch soccer. That's brutal. I it's just my outside perspective. It's hard to watch. It's so hard to watch, and it's only getting worse. A four-hour game? That's ridiculous. You know what, Will? I can't. You're fired. <laughs> you are fired. I'm sorry. I'm dissing your I don't game, think man. You are. There, there needs to I be. I don't think you are. I'm. I'm not sorry, but there, there's stuff that needs <laughs> See, to be fixed. I knew it. Average game length from 1920 to 2021, nine innings or less. This is not just postseason. This is average baseball game from 1920 was under two hours, under hour 50 minutes. You Again, it looks like a stock market chart I'm looking at here. You speed roll to 2020, you're at about three hours per game. And I do think a lot of it has to do with advertising. An incredible commercial breaks are longer. Both radio and uh, I guess it's a media timeout, mm-hmm. media uh, change of play. Those are getting longer. You look at the amount of pitch changes. It's not you know, and of course, nineteen twenty, a, a pitcher's throwing ten innings and in right. Know, it, you don't do that anymore. So there are more pitch changes as well. I think a lot of it, all substitutions and shifting and all that. It, sure, I think a lot of it has to do with flat out advertising. And advertising the wrong thing. I mean, it's you're you're catering to the betters now instead of just catering to people who want to watch the game. Even if it's a casual fan watching a playoff game, to throw up a graphic on the on the chances that one of these players is going to hit a home run, I don't think that's good for the game. No, it, you're right though. You can't. The game is going to increase in time just from how it is evolved over time. So you of can't course. you can't ignore that. Like. Changing pitch, you know, pitchers more frequently, and that's all that's going to increase time. But that's, there, I think there's, like you're saying, external factors other than the game that are causing it. And Astros White Sox game three, four hours, 27 minutes. Game four of that series, four hours, 32 minutes. Whoa. Wow. And then everything from there is just about over three. The only game that was not over three hours long was Dodgers Giants game one. It's hurting the game. It's definitely hurting the game. If you want my two cents, I'd rather watch an hour and a half of soccer and get That's on the rest terrible. of my life. That's terrible. So That's brutal. That right there, that take <laughs> is brutal. I'll give you hockey. Soccer? No. Yes. I will not give you soccer. No. Yes. There's no realm. You just could not be more wrong. Oh, well, that's okay. You can be wrong. You can't be, though. We'll see what Tony G Nation says. I know they got my back. <laughs> <laughs> Do they? <laughs> no, I think it's uh, it's tough. Game of baseball is starting to de- decrease. You look at football games, I mean, length is certainly being uh, discussed in the football realm as well, too, but there's more action in that, more action mm-hmm. in basketball. It's starting to really scare me what baseball is trying to do to what they call improve their game. I think they're trying to implement some certain rules that are just, I think, completely irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Talking about all right, talk about rules here. This is something that I just came just came to me off the top of the head here. Robot umpires. A lot of discussion around human error in umpiring and balls and strike calling. I mean, I get that it it hurts teams, it hurts games. It does need to be more accurate. I mean, there are some certain calls that are like, oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. You wonder what would that do to the speed? Perfect example to tie that into the length of game uh, discussion we're having here is that uh 
it was Tuesday. Ninth inning of a game. One, I think it's 2-2 at the time. Couple men on base. Two-strike pitch. It was Jason Castro at the plate. Close call. Called the ball. Looked like a strike. And then later that at-bat, Jason Castro hits one into the gap. Astros completely run away with it and eventually win the game 9-2. to that, If that's called a strike, this is a new ball game. It's a whole new situation. And that is a per- – if, if that doesn't happen, then all of a sudden the Astros don't score nine runs. Then that inning isn't 25, 30 minutes long. And then the game is – now, granted, you might be looking at extra innings, but if the Red Sox come back and maybe win the game or get a run and now the Red Sox lose a game, well, now the game is over and it's not taking 45 extra minutes because there was a missed strike call. Okay, I get it. Robot umpires take away from the authenticity of the human interaction. Yeah, you can't doubt that. Portion. But it also adds to more accuracy. And what are you going after? More accuracy or or human interaction, human error? Like 90% of the enjoyment I get out of baseball is watching managers get kicked out. Like, is a a robot umpire going to do that? No. (laughs) So. I wonder how that would work. Because I've ejected you multiple times from the Yeah, how do you argue a... A machine. I don't know. That thing's wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll cap it here. I wanted to talk about that, though, because it's concerning me as a fan of baseball. Right. That soccer's more interesting. Uh, you just That's the worst take I think you've ever had on the Tony no. G Show. It's just brutal. No, it's not. It's just brutal. Will, 100 minutes, and the score is nil, nil, zero to zero. 90 minutes. Stoppage time. <laughs> Rarely does it go... The, Stoppage times was like five minutes. Oh, I'm sorry. So then watching for 90 minutes is more fun than watching for 100. To still have the score be 0-0 at the end of it. Well. Well, nothing. I'm, I, all I'm saying is they're not standing around going, oh, I'm going to. Yeah, you're right. They're on the floor acting like they're injured. Yeah, well, I'm not fixing my gloves every five seconds. So. Yeah, okay. Well, I'm not getting, I'm not stubbing my toe and acting like I just broke my mm-hmm. fibula. Okay. Yeah. See, right. you know I got you. No, I don't. I, I, it's yes. a part of the game. It's a part of the game. A part of the game to fake an injury? Heck yeah, dude. I did it all oh, the time. Get you a call. Not fake an injury, but completely you sell fake it. An injury. You sell it. They sell it in basketball. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Sell a hangnail as a broken finger. Okay, come on now. No, come on now. Nothing. No. That happens. No, it does not. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. There are a few bad examples, oh, yes. But soccer is far more enjoyable to watch than baseball, oh and I will and I will stand on that mountain bad. proudly. It is just yes, bad. it is. You go watch the U.S. men's national team, and USA is like subpar at soccer I, compared to the teams overseas. There, I hope they do better. But Tony's got his head in his hands because he can't believe how bad baseball is. Oh my gosh, you take it's just terrible. It's just bad. Like, it's it's not bad. bad. It's, it's not. That's brutal. It's not bad. It's a, brutal. This is a casual fan for, on both sides, and I don't watch soccer. Hardly ever for 90 minutes. But I'd much rather watch soccer than baseball. That's just brutal. That is, I mean, it's just terrible. That's just terrible. What's the strategy in soccer? What is it? What, what is it? You okay, score. So if, you're, if you know what's going on in baseball, you're thinking, what's the next pitch that's going to come? Right. You're thinking, where is the defensive? You're thinking, what is this uh, batter had? Mm-hmm. What's past success has had against the, the, the pitcher? There are a whole bunch of different things that play into the next pitch. It's just- soccer, what's the difference? You run your formation, okay? It's all it's all strategy. It's all passing. It is. Oh my! Yeah, it's exactly. All it's all passing. It's all passing until That's all it is. It, no, it's not. They're There's scoring. No scoring. There's counterattacks. There's oh defensive play. 
It's all about strategy and how you line up your team, formations you run. No. It is. That's just brutal. There's just as much strategy in soccer as there is in baseball. That's not even close. That's not even. Coming from the guy who thought games were 100 minutes long. Okay. <laughs> they do go 100 minutes long. They can. They can. But See? But not, but not normally. I hardly ever stop each time 10 minutes. We're having a soccer debate next. Uh, we are not. We will not. No. Yes. Your contract is running out at the end of the season, and you're done. Mark my words. We're going to have a soccer segment because U.S. men's national team is going to make a run for it. We're going to have to talk about it. Uh, no. Yeah. I don't think so. I can't believe I'm going to continue with Will on the show, but the show must go on. We have an episode, no less, and it's time for Tony G's Picks of the Week. I'm going to hit this music, Will, and when it starts Mm -hmm. and finishes and I come back to do my Tony G's Picks of the Week, you better be out of Tony G's Studios. Okay. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Tony G's Picks of Week 7. Why are you still here? I told you to hit the bricks. You're just mad because I'm right. I'm it's okay. <laughs> I'm mad because you think you're right, and you're just not. It's all right, Tony. Golly, a sock, a soccer match. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Fourteen and eighteen coming into week seven for Tony G's picks of the week. Thursday football. I, I, if I had to pick one sport to like watch for the rest of my life, just that make wasn't your football or basketball. It would definitely be baseball. And even if it wasn't, if I had to choose one that wasn't like one of the four major sports of football, basketball, baseball, or hockey, the sport that I would watch next is like lifting or curling or something. I would not watch soccer in any realm. That's too bad. 14 and 18. Now you got me worked up. Thursday night football tonight. Broncos 3 and 3 in Cleveland to play the Browns 3 and 3. Get this one. Browns are favored by three points. But yet the Browns don't have Baker Mayfield. He's injured. They're going to sub in Case Keenum. The Browns don't have Nick Chubb. Calf injury for him. I get it, the Broncos have a bad defense the last three weeks. They've really started to scuffle, but they've played some good teams. Going to head on the road to Cleveland, and I say in an upset, will Broncos get a win in a close one? 27-24, that's my first pick. Broncos over the Browns. No no Sunday morning game. There's no 8.30 game, so we're back to five games instead of six. Sunday noon, Chiefs 3-3 three three at Titans 4-2. and two. This is going to be an interesting one. Chiefs are favored by 5.5. Haven't had the... Start to the season that I think they have really been hoping for. Titans have Derrick Henry. Chiefs have a bad defense. But the Titans also have a bad defense. And that's what scares me. That's what really sways this pick. They're 24th in the NFL defensive-wise, as, as, as total in defense. Got exposed versus Seattle. Remember that game? Mm-hmm. When uh, Seattle threw the ball, I think, 70 yards on uh, maybe every play <laughs> and exposed the Titans. I think it's going to be a very similar uh, case here for the Titans. Two good offenses, two bad defenses. I say a high-scoring game. Chiefs get the win 44-38 in Tennessee. Eagles 2-4 and four, head to Las Vegas to play the Raiders, who are 4-2 and two, Sunday afternoon. Raiders are favored by three points. Third-best passing offense in the league. Carr's still having a good year, even though everything has been kind of in the air in Las Vegas with the Raiders organization. They're at home. The Eagles have no running back game. Hertz has been their only running back, and he's the quarterback. Most carries on the team, five of seven rushing touchdowns this season. It's not an impressive offense in Philadelphia. Raiders are going to get the win by three, by three, favored by three. 
They're going to go to win by three, 26-23. Sunday night, Colts take their 2-4 record to San Francisco to take on the 2-3 49er team who is favored by 3.5 points. The 49ers are 1-9 at home since 2020. You hear that? Well, 1-9. That's brutal. At home at since home. 2020. Here's the, here's the good side, though. They haven't allowed a 100-yard rusher since 2019. Week 9, 2019 was the last time they gave up a 100-yard rusher. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to be the first since then. It's been a long streak. Mm-hmm. He's going to break it. And not to mention that Carson Wentz has had a 123.4 passer rating since week four, highest in the NFL. I think that combined with Jonathan Taylor going to end this streak of not 100-yard rushing yards, or not yards, 100-yard rusher since 2019. Wentz is going to have a good game. Colts in an upset, 30-16 to on Sunday Night Football. Ooh, that's a landslide win, too. It is. Convincing win. Mm-hmm. Convincing win. And this is for a Colts team that started 0-4. I give it to them. They're going to get the win in an upset. Saints, 3-2. and two. Head to Seattle. This is a team we were talking about to start the show. 2-4. and four. Again, I mentioned this number. I have to bring it up again. Allowing 433 yards per game this year are the Seattle Seahawks. Saints, 30 points per game since 2011. The most in the NFL. Big offense versus bad defense. No Russell Wilson for Seattle. Saints are going to get the win 41-20. to 20. It's worth mentioning, though, that... Uh, 11-2 under Pete Carroll on Monday Night Football to Seattle Seahawks on. Mm. So that's quite interesting to mention. Those are my picks. Broncos, Chiefs, Raiders, Colts, Saints. You're still here? Yeah. I'll take you to a game. You'll uh, you'll understand it. Oh, I'm sure I will. I'm sure I will. When you wake me up at the end of stoppage time and I'm ready to go <laughs> Oh, home. boy. At the 106 You're talking minute. about falling asleep at games. See, why are there ties in soccer, though? I don't know. Why are there ties in football? I think there shouldn't be. I Yeah, I don't know. So, there, so should sport. there be in soccer? See, you know why there are ties in soccer? Because if you extend the stoppage time until like a sudden death, then it's going to go for the next six hours. Let's, let's, make, let's make a bet. Let's go to a soccer game and a baseball game. We'll count out the amount of people that are sleeping at each game. <laughs> and then that determines whatever sports. More See, more. that's not fair, though, because at, base, at baseball uh-huh. games, there's about 1,500 more people. At a soccer okay. game, at a division. We'll go. We'll go to one in England then. Yeah. Okay. We'll we'll put it on Tony G's uh, Tony G Studios we'll, we'll uh, tax return. You're paying for that. T- I ain't paying to go to no. <laughs> We're not soccer tax game. return, but yeah, we'll we'll oh, put on a business <laughs> your business expense. Okay. Listen here, economics major, economy, finance, and accounting. Mm-hmm. I gotta school you in baseball because you don't know what's going on. I'm gonna fight Will after this show ends. This has been the Tony G Show, 13th episode of the seventh season. Get ready, Will. Yeah. We're wrestling right here in Tony G Studios. All right, let's get to it. We'll, we'll see you Tuesday if Will makes it. We'll come back next week and Tony will be like, welcome back to Tony G Show. He'll be yeah. all, he'll be all yeah, sh- right. shaken up after. I'll, uh, be, I'll be alone because Will won't want to come back to Tony G Studios. <laughs> the site where he's just about to get pummeled. Tony G Show. Thanks for listening to The Tony G Show. Support the show on social media on Twitter and Instagram. Also, make sure to subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.